0: We've learned that the most powerful thing that can happen, uh, this side of eternity is being loved by people that are radically different. And we've really had that privilege in New York to be a part of very multi-ethnic, multilingual faith community here.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. In a few moments, I'll introduce this week's guest, Mac Peer, who will report on what God is doing in New York City. I'm glad you could join us for today's conversation. Each week, we like to interview someone who has a unique story to tell as they follow a calling from Christ to be salt and light in the world. And over the past three years, we have accumulated from a wide spectrum of people all kinds of testimonies of the power of Christ at work in their life. And if you'd like to go back through the archive to listen to any past program, they're all online at FirstPersonInterview.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes and download all or selected interviews for playback whenever you want. Start at the website, FirstPersonInterview.com. Our guest today, Mac Peer, is the founder and CEO of the New York City Leadership Center. The center is aimed at transforming the city through a networking of churches and marketplace leaders who are gospel-centered. Mac is a strategic thinker and fully committed to affecting the spiritual climate of his city through the power of Christ. And he took time out of his day to talk with me recently about his life and mission.
0: I grew up in the uh, rural Midwest, uh, in, uh, southeastern South Dakota, just 20 miles north of the Nebraska border. My family, uh, has owned and operated a bank in a small town called Avon for a hundred years. So that was where I grew up. Um, I, uh, I had a fairly radical conversion uh, to Christ at the age of 17 uh, between the summer of my junior and senior year in high school. Uh, There were probably four influences uh, that led me to make a a faith commitment. Um, I had some high school friends that were sharing their faith with me and praying. Uh, I began to read the New Testament on my own. I uh, had a near-death car accident and had also had a, a, a very powerful uh, demonic encounter, um, and all that culminated in a, in a very simple explanation of the Gospel in July of 1976. And that, that was very compelling and life-changing for me. And concurrent with my conversion was an immediate call to uh, bring the body of Christ together, Uh, So in that summer, I'd probably been a Christian for two or three weeks, and I brought all the high school youth groups together. Uh, It was a small town, so that wasn't that difficult to do. Uh, But then went on uh, in high school and college, uh, convened uh, a lot of Christian leaders and campus groups uh, to work together, and that eventually led to uh, joining InterVarsity staff for 13 years and uh, moving to New York City in June of 1984.
1: I'm sure I'm not the first person to bring this to your attention, but from Avon to New York City, that that's a leap, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's uh, kind of in God's uh, great sense of humor. Um, my wife, Mary, and I attended the Urbana Missions Conference as college juniors in 1979, and and Billy Graham spoke on the fourth night, and he uh, challenged us as a as a conference to go anywhere in the world that God would send us. And my wife and I stood that night uh, we we would be married about a year later. We were 21 years old at the time. And uh, just through a, a variety of circumstances, my wife had been a governess in Connecticut for a couple summers and loved New York. My brother-in-law moved to New York in 1982 to work with an African-American church and then stayed in New York. And then we came through New York in 1983 on the way back from a missions trip to North India and felt like New York would be a good place to go for about two years, Uh to get ready to go back to India, and uh, two years in, we realized the whole world was in New York, and decided to stay. And so we've been here, starting our thirtieth year.
1: I want to take you back to that Urbana. I got a chill because I was there at that Urbana. I remember very clearly. Billy Graham, no retreat, was his message.
0: Yeah, that was a powerful conference. I had I had been a Christian for a little over three years. Uh, small town. Went away to the University of South Dakota, which is about a six thousand member campus and then to be at Urbana with 17,000 students um, and I, I vividly remember the uh, exposition of John Stott from Romans every morning and, and it was a, a tremendously life-changing experience those five days and I've met a lot of my colleagues from around uh, the country who are at that Urbana and it was a very pivotal experience for many leaders
1: and having just heard your story for the first time, it, it strikes me that almost immediately God called you into, I guess you would call it consensus building or some form of unifying the church.
0: Uh, a lot of what we have done over the last 35 years in various forms is is convening the body of Christ, uh, whether it's in a campus setting or a city setting, is to come together, pray together, and then collaborate around the big issues that affect uh, affect that city or affect that campus,
1: and and what are the obstacles that you've uh, encountered through the years?
0: You'll find when you have uh, churches of different backgrounds, different whether they be ethnically or denominationally, uh, the challenge is is always getting leaders and groups and organizations to think about the church from God's perspective and to to think about the Church as a community of faith that lives in a common city or on a common campus, and to really take seriously uh, the prayer of Jesus in John 17, um, that, that the world will believe when we become one and we express our unity. And, and so often, we're more committed to our particular, whether it's a doctrinal belief or a culture, uh, than we are to the broader unity of the Church, but when we've seen it happen, and we've seen it happen very powerfully in New York, we've, we've seen a couple thousand churches get involved with the prayer movement here, probably a quarter of a million people.
1: We're going to talk about the New York City Leadership Center in a few moments, but just talk to me about the city. Uh, of course, it is, uh, if not the, it is one of the leading cities in the, in the world. Uh, what's it like to live there and to do ministry there?
0: Now, we moved to New York in 1984. I live near LaGuardia Airport. I live in a neighborhood that speaks a hundred languages it's probably the most linguistically and religiously diverse neighborhood in the world. We can walk within 10 minutes of where we live and find houses of worship for every major world religion, whether it be Islam or Buddhism uh, or Judaism or Hinduism. Uh, Everything's right here in in our neighborhood as well as in the broader city. One of the great truths about New York is that within a 50-mile radius of Times Square, one out of every three hundred people in the world lives within that radius it's about twenty one million people so it's very dense it's a very a dynamic the city uh, I was reading uh, in a book uh, recently that said New York City creates more uh, more economic output in in one year than the entire country of India so it, it's a it's an incredibly influential place, whether it be uh, economically or culturally or artistically. Our educationally, uh, it's, it really is uh, modern-day New York. Is really like modern-day modern-day Rome from the first century.
1: Hmm. I remember clearly moving into the inner city of Chicago back in the mid '70s, and uh, coming from a rural area. And what a uh, a mixed bag that was! It was frightening. It was exhilarating all at the same time. Did you go through all those emotions?
0: We did. Uh, we when we came here in 1984, one of the uh, One of the incidents that happened fairly early in our time here uh, was uh, Bernard Goetz, a white guy on a subway, shot uh, five unarmed African-Americans. And that began a decade of racial violence in New York that uh, peaked in 1994 with 2,400 murders. Uh, We had so much death in New York that year that the morgue simply ran out of room. And we had uh, incidents of property being stolen. We had a drug murder in our neighborhood. Uh, so we've seen kind of the best and the worst over 30 years.
1: How have you seen it change in that time?
0: Well, one of the dramatic things that happened uh, after about 10 years here in New York, uh, we, we had a concerted effort beginning in 1995 with churches that agreed to pray every day for, for the, the welfare of the city, the flourishing of the city, because things were very difficult at that time. And over the next five years, uh, we saw the murder rate in New York drop 70%. Uh, New York became the safest city in America of more than a million people. We saw over a 20-year period the number of Christians in Manhattan who live and worship in Manhattan grow about 300%. Uh, So we have seen some very uh, significant uh, changes over the last uh, 20, 25 years.
1: We'll get into this deeper in a few moments, but tell me about your role uh, with the New York City Leadership Center. Is this something you founded, Mac?
0: Yes, Uh, I founded this uh, five years ago, 2008. Uh, It grew out of uh, a previous organization that I had founded in 1998 called Concerts of Prayer Greater New York. And we've been working with a lot of pastors and leaders in New York for the last 30 years. And we we noticed a couple of things. We noticed that a lot of the leaders we work with had very few training resources available to them. Uh, Two-thirds of our pastors haven't finished seminary, a third haven't been to college. And so we saw a great need to provide some organizational skill development. And we also saw the enormity of the need here in New York. Uh, when you have when you have parts of the city, parts of the metropolitan area that are less than 5% Christian, the need to start new churches, which we've done very closely with Tim Keller, uh, the need to uh, help churches engage their community. So we, we wanted an organization that would be committed to coaching, uh, leaders to get better at what they do, but also collaborate and to take on great missional efforts. That's the re- the primary reason why uh, the New York State Leadership Center was started five years ago, and uh, we've been convening about 4,000 leaders a year from around uh, New York, but also around really around the world. Last year, we hosted uh, people from 360 cities that, that came to Movement Day in uh,
1: 2012. You're listening to First Person, and coming up, we'll continue this conversation with Mac Peer of New York's Leadership Center. Next time, we'll learn about Operation Mobilization's International Ship Ministry.
0: We all want to give. That's inbuilt. God has given it. We want to grow to give and be used by Him. And I think Operation Mobilization is providing a platform for people to be growing in the Lord to be used in his kingdom, and to make a
1: difference. We'll take you to the offices of Operation Mobilization and talk with Hans Van Beren next time on First Person. My First Person guest today is Dr. Mack Peer, who is founder and CEO of the New York City Leadership Center. And it's exciting to see and to learn what God is doing both in the city of New York and how New York is reaching out to the rest of the world in uh, being not only an example, but a training ground for others. Mac, just before the break, you were telling us about uh, Movement Day, which is only about 10 days away for 2013, and you're already planning for 2014. What is Movement Day?
0: Uh, Movement Day is a one-day gathering of leaders from around the world, uh, predominantly U.S. at this point, but increasingly from around the world, who want to come together and study what's happening in the big cities of the world. It grew out of some research that we did in 2009 that indicated that the percentage of Christians in Manhattan over a 20-year period grew by about 300%. Uh, we felt like it was important to bring leaders from other large cities to, to study what was happening, where, where we were seeing progress, uh, what we could learn from one another. So Movement Day is a, a one-day gathering. The morning uh, focuses on casting vision about the city. Tim Keller speaks every year. This year we'll have Ray Bakke uh, speak. Kevin and Luis Palau have also been very involved. Last year we had Rich Stearns. The first year we had Bill Heibels came and spoke. Uh, and the afternoon is, is divided into 13 conversations around specific topics like church planting, uh, reaching urban universities, uh marketplace Christians impacting the marketplace, uh, reaching out to the homeless, reaching out to artists in the city. The idea embedded in the afternoon session is to have leaders ask the questions, where are we today on a particular topic, where do we want to be five years from now, and how do we get there?
1: As I mentioned, Movement Day for 2013 is only a few days away now. Um, We will put a link to the website on our program website, firstpersoninterview.com. So anyone who's interested in either scooting off to New York immediately for this year or planning ahead for 2014 can do it. Uh, The website will be there at firstpersoninterview.com. Mac, obviously, you are a strategic thinker and organizer and social networker, and you bring pastors together for prayer and for evangelism. Talk about some of the experiences and some of the stories, war stories, if you will, uh, as uh, what was one time called Campus Crusade for Christ would call them. Uh, tell us some of those stories.
0: Well, we've seen a lot of very encouraging things happen. I remember in the early 90s it People remember the, the riots in Los Angeles uh, with uh, Rodney King, and New York was bracing for those riots. And I remember it fell on the weekend of the National Day of Prayer, and, and it was really interesting to see how God, and it was a mystery, but how God really protected New York uh, from that, that outbreak of violence. Uh, and then you fast forward to 9-11, and uh, I was in the Empire State Building on 9-11 on the 15th floor. And on, on the morning of September 11th, uh, we were there when the two towers were attacked and, and fell to the ground. And uh, it was a very surreal day, but we, we saw the, the network of churches that had come together, had been praying together, was really unleashed uh, to serve the needs of the city, to care for people, to do all kinds of outreach, counseling, uh, to provide for people physical needs. And so it was interesting to see that, that we had been praying together for 13 years and how God had used that to prepare a way for the, the church to engage the city uh, in a really remarkable and, and an important way.
1: I remember talking to some of those pastors in the day after 9-11 and, and to realize that they weren't alone, that uh, they were networked with others around the city and and had the concern of the body of Christ around the world as well. It was a remarkable experience. Uh, You mentioned Tim Keller's name. Of course, there are very strong churches in New York. Tim Keller's Redeemer is one of them. And, uh, of course, Jim Cimbala with Brooklyn Tab was another. Uh, Talk about the state of the churches themselves. I'm sure they range from everything from storefronts to to large churches, don't they?
0: Yeah, the church in New York is probably the most international church in human history. Uh, Over 90% of the active Christians in New York City are either ethnic minority or immigrant Uh, There's really two New Yorks from a spiritual perspective. Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx have a fairly high density of churches, we think maybe 15 to 17 percent. There's there's a new church that's starting in Brooklyn every week. Manhattan, Staten Island, Long Island, Southern Connecticut, Northern New Jersey, we estimate that the percentage of people who attend churches there are probably in the 3 to 5 percent range. Uh, So it's it's very challenging, very expensive, uh, but but there are a lot of great churches. There's, there's 2,500 Hispanic churches in New York right now. Uh, there's probably approximately 800 Korean churches in New York. Hundreds of Chinese churches. So it, it seems that that what God has done is is brought Christians from the global south, and many of them have landed in New York and other large cities. So the immigrant churches are strong. Uh, they do struggle with how to keep their children in the church as they become young adults. That's a really important frontier uh, that we're trying to give attention to. Um, so there's been a lot of growth, a lot of challenges, a lot of uh, very diverse communities here. We're one of the largest Muslim communities outside the Muslim world with about 800,000 Muslims in metropolitan New York, a very large Jewish community, a large Buddhist community. Uh, I live in the neighborhood with the first Hindu temple in North America, so it's, it's very diverse.
1: It really is uh, the world's mission field, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it really is. And, and the exciting thing is that, that God's bringing the nations into our neighborhoods.
1: It must bring a knowing smile to your face when people around the rest of the country kind of write off New York. It's spiritually speaking, in other ways as well, But you, you know what God is doing there.
0: Well, New York has really played a very important uh, role in, in many of the great spiritual awakenings in our own country. If you go back, well, just uh, 56 years ago, Billy Graham, preached for a hundred nights in Madison Square Garden, which was a really important event in the life of the city and the country. Uh, the Fulton Street awakening of the late 1850s really ushered in what I I believe uh, is the uh, evangelical social awakening that lasted from 1865 to 1920. Um, and you had leaders like uh, Theodore Frelinghuysen and uh, even Jonathan Edwards, who was in New England in the 18th century, uh, but New York has really played a, a critical role in shaping uh, the spiritual life of our country and many uh, parts of the world.
1: When you pray for your city, how do you pray, Mac?
0: Well, we, we've been praying for the last 20 years uh, around four predominant themes. Uh, we really do pray for a spiritual renewal and revival in the churches of New York, because uh, we know that apart from God's Spirit, uh, there's nothing that we can do in our own strength. Secondly, we we pray for reconciliation across the great cultural and denominational divides that are here. Uh, we really believe strongly in the unity of the church, the visible unity of the church. Thirdly, we pray for reformation and justice. Uh, there are tremendous pockets of need, uh, tremendous poverty, uh, tremendous uh, issues of justice in our city. And then lastly, we pray uh, that we pray that people would be reached with the gospel, especially with new churches Especially with uh, outreaches into the communities. Uh, we have some great churches that are really, uh, have great efforts that reach out to uh, tremendous numbers
1: of people on a week to week basis. Tell me about one of those churches, one that we may know nothing else about, but you see what God is doing through them. You see what kind of ministry and what kind of effect they're having right where they're planted. Tell us about that church
0: church in my neighborhood, I live in Flushing, which is near LaGuardia. uh, The community is 50% Asian. Uh, There's a Chinese church that we do a lot with, and they have services every Sunday. Nine services, uh, probably five or six different dialects. Uh, But in addition to all the services, uh, they planted a seminary when they were started. So the church is about 17, 18 years old. Uh, They have planted about 15 churches in different parts of the Chinese world. But they've also planted about 10 seminaries uh, to train Chinese leaders in places like Sao Paulo and Brazil and Johannesburg and Taiwan and Hong Kong. It's a very innovative congregation that is very passionate about reaching the Chinese diaspora. And that's one of the reasons why uh, the church in China is the fastest growing church in the world, because of congregations like that.
1: A few months ago, it was in the news that uh, the politics of New York were trying to prohibit churches from renting spaces in public schools. Is that behind us now?
0: At this point, uh, churches continue to have freedom to, uh, to worship. Uh, we believe that we're, we're in a good place. We, we want to get final uh, confirmation approval from the New York State Legislature just to assure be assured that uh, churches will have freedom moving ahead. That initiative would have uh, caused as many as 140 churches to lose their their meeting space. So it was a very significant issue. So we're thankful thankful to be where we are today, but would really like the New York State Legislature to give final confirmation of that freedom.
1: Finally, Mac, you've told us how you pray for your city. How can we pray for you and those who work with you? Uh,
0: You can pray that uh, we would continue to see uh, young leaders raised up, especially to start new churches. we have a long-term goal. We would love to see 150 new churches start in Manhattan that would in turn plant a couple of new daughter churches. Uh, we we really pray that we can see uh, Christianity in Manhattan grow from 3% to 10%. We think that would not only change New York, but that would have a tremendous influence around the world. So uh, we would request prayer for that.
1: Are you glad God picked you up and moved you to New York?
0: It's been a great journey, and... Uh, One of the things that we've really benefited from, uh, we've we've learned that the most powerful thing that can happen uh, this side of eternity is being loved by people that are radically different. And we've really had that privilege in New York to be a part of a very... Multi
1: ethnic, multilingual faith community here. New York City has been and is the most influential urban city in America and the world. And instead of abandoning the city spiritually, Mack is wholly dedicated to seeing a spiritual transformation come to New York. We will place additional information about the Leadership Center as well as their upcoming conference called Movement Day on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I hope you remember to pray specifically for Movement Day and those from all over the country. We'll meet to learn together what God is doing in New York and many other places. Again, go to FirstPersonInterview.com. And to leave a comment, visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com FirstPersonInterview. When you join us next week, we'll take you to South Carolina and the offices of Operation Mobilization's Ship Ministry. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next week for First Person.